0: centrally speaking is the central Schweinfelder Church's podcast it speaks about issues that would be of interest to our society in particular it addresses how a christian worldview intersects with western secular culture in the spirit of the church's founder we take the perspective of the middle way which is in agreement with the historic christian church I'm Dr. Drake Williams, Minister of Mission and Theology at the Church. Our website is www.cscfamily.org. Well, today we're talking about uh, the art of Fraktur and Schwenkfelder's and the Christian faith. And we're very fortunate to have Candace Perry uh, here with us today. She's been uh, serving as the curator of collections at the Schwenkfelder Library and Heritage Center for 25 years. She's also written a catalog of Fracture, Um for the uh, Pennsylvania German Society and has done many presentations on on this topic. So, uh, Candace, we're very glad that you're with us. So welcome oh, to the show. Thank you so much,
1: Drake, for having me. Thank you.
0: We've noticed over the years that various churches and Christian communities uh, leave behind uh, uh, memories or, or relics of uh, their past existence. And there have been a lot of tours that have come through uh, the Schwankfelder denomination. Can you tell our audience that may be less familiar with what a fracture is? What is a fracture? Absolutely. And, and what would be typical if you're saying to somebody, you're looking at a frocteur, What what is it?
1: at which is actually the singular and the plural, are Pennsylvania German decorated manuscripts. Or if we include Europe in there, German language decorated manuscripts. I should add today... A lot of, particularly auctioneers and antique dealers, tend to group any kind of um, watercolor drawing under this Fracture umbrella. But they're actually specifically German-language decorated manuscripts that were made from about the 1740s here in, in the United States, or the 13 colonies, to well, well into the 20th century, and it still goes on. There's still individuals today who are working in the old form and making contemporary froctor. Some of um, the listeners may have marriage certificates or birth certificates that somebody did for them in the froctor style. But the golden age of froctor truly was from about 1780 to about 1830. So it was that um, 50 year time period that really saw the growth of frock tour, um here in, in this country.
0: And as you look at a Fracteur, uh, it has a certain type of script uh, to it. It also has different pictures on it. I mean, what might be a typical picture on a frock tour?
1: Well, the Pennsylvania Germans in general, whether they be Schwenkfelders or Mennonites or or Reformed or Lutheran, love their birds and flowers. Birds and flowers are the most frequent denizens of Proctor, you see.
0: And there's a particular type of script that goes with it. There, also called a Proctor script?
1: There is. It's called Proctor Schriften, and it basically means broken writing or broken lettering in... um. In German, and um, th- this was used for mostly, say, the first lines on a Fraktur, where you see the big, large lettering, and then the most of the body of the text was done in um, German script, which was the cursive version of Fraktur Schriften. And interestingly, Fraktur Schriften did not start out as a um, uh, a, a written hand, it started out as a font that was used for printing. So it really didn't evolve until after 1500, say, when after mechanical printing appeared in Europe with Gutenberg. Um, so that that was sort of backwards that this, this written hand came, followed a printed font versus the other way around.
0: And then they became associated with each other as part of a Fracture print. Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, the use of the term Fracture for the objects, these decorated manuscripts, I'm not even sure when that came about. I've been actually trying to trace that for a long time because it is true that the, the name of the, the, the script is now the name of the object and i'm not sure how that evolved at all um i've been looking with the old collectors there were several collectors around the turn of the 20th century and how they referred to froctor and they didn't necessarily use that term so i'm interested in hoping maybe to track that down someday
0: (laughs) you've talked about certain things on a froctor not only um images and script, uh, but there are also some distinct colors,
1: right? Oh, yes. And they were, of course, um, colors that were really um, n- from natural dyes in the early period be- before they had synthetic paints or um, inks or anything like that. So there were very specific colors and they tend to be colors that you associate with um 18th century America blues and reds like that barn red mustard yellow greens nothing too unusual in the scheme of colors although we do have um uh on some froctor here at the heritage center a verdigris color which they somehow achieved um with pigment so um and and these pigments um were actually usually um commercially produced they were things that they were able to buy in terms of the watercolor pigment um, and not necessarily something that they made up a dye from nature or a paint from nature
0: interesting how this form has come together as largely being a early colonial period yes exactly
1: that's when it started definitely uh, Mm -hmm. and
0: then thriving through the early 1800s but the idea for fracture. Uh, originated in Europe, didn't it? It or... did,
1: it did. Um, I And there has been research done by a wonderful scholar named Alex Ames on some of the origins, particularly in Switzerland, where it would have come with the Mennonites who came out of Switzerland specifically. Um, but also, we have a piece in our collection here that came out of Lower Silesia, where the Schwankfelders originally lived. It's not Schwankfelder, but it is from Lower Silesia. And it's what's interesting about it: it's not a personal document that uh, or manuscript that we see most associated with Germans here in the United States, but a public document. It's like. Um, some sort of contract or something like that so it's not one of these personal things that we most associate with froctor here and that a lot of it was was that kind of thing these public documents
0: originating the idea in in europe but then being yes, expressed expressed in uh, america yeah. not only by schwenkfelders but you also mentioned mennonites um, oh
1: absolutely and especially here in montgomery county the rich Mennonite heritage of Fractur um, is, is very well documented and preserved um, both in our collection to an extent. We are very fortunate to have some wonderful Mennonite tour but also in the Mennonite Heritage Center collection in Harleysville, uh, which um, listeners can go and view that wonderful collection anytime. Um, so, yes, very rich. and. And I should add what the reasons for that is specifically because in the Mennonite and Schwankfelder groups, Froctur was really a function of education. It was used as a teaching tool by schoolmasters who integrated that into their teaching, their pedagogy and their teaching skills. So, the, some of the most important Frachter then coming out of the Mennonite and the Schwenkfelder schools were pieces known as Vorschriften, which were writing models. And originally they were to use to teach students writing and literacy, but eventually evolved more into presentation pieces that were given as special gifts at the end of a school year. But these, um, uh, in our collection and in the Mennonite collection, we all have some spectacular examples of this. And because of the lack of infant baptism among the Mennonites and the Schweinfelders, you see less birth and baptismal certificates, which are called Taufshina in the Frachter world, than you see these writing models and other things related to the school's in
0: particular interesting so they are educational means
1: they were they were teaching tools and specifically made by men they were made by school masters there were not women teaching school during that time period that did not come along until much later meaning the 18th and early 19th century Um, so they were made by men as part of their professional skill set let's say that's something very important to remember, even though there are there were some like a handful of good female frock tour artists, most of them were men. And on top of that, frock tour was usually made for kids, for children or teenagers, which is interesting because now these very valuable objects that were, you know, they were they were made for children, essentially, <laughs>
0: Can you give us an idea how many uh Schwankfelders Schwenkfelder's made?
1: I I have no idea overall. I know in our collection we have over a thousand pieces, but that's both Schwenkfelder and Mennonite. The Schwenkfelder pieces seem to be concentrated among a few pretty well-known individuals who were either schoolmasters or, in the case of our female frock artist, Susanna Hebner from Worcester Township everyone wasn't just making Fracture willy-nilly. It was really concentrated among these individuals who were teaching or had some, some sort of artistic impulse to make these things, like Susanna Hebner. Later on, after the golden age of Fracture, you saw more children copying things, so you have more kind of amateur work later on in the 19th century than you had earlier.
0: But as far as numbers going of, of Frock Tours, that's still a fair number of Frock tours for a small community. It is. It is.
1: It is. And they were actually several of them were quite prolific. Susanna Hebner, in particular, who made um, Frock Tour for her nieces and nephews. She was an unmarried lady living on her own in Worcester Township, and she was very devoted to her nieces and nephews, and made them all these wonderful, very inspirational pieces.
0: Uh, how did Schwankfelders go about using or preserving fracture in their their uh, society?
1: Well, the use, first of all, was specifically for educational purposes. Or um, many individuals made them as gifts for other people. We have several of those kinds of things that came out of the Schweinfelder group because they did not have baptismal certificates they they used them for other purposes still not quite understanding why they did that but there was a lot of gift giving presentation type froctors there's a whole that's a whole other topic but there's a whole culture of presentation objects and frocter was a part of that among all the pennsylvania germans but also in preserving them i should i should speak to one family in particular once again the hebner family of worcester who obviously very much treasured the frock tour. it may have been because of the th- at least three members of the family who were very interested in making frock tour and very artistic that would have been abraham hebner his son abraham w hebner and and um, Abraham Sr.'s sister, Susanna Hebner, who all had very artistic um, and creative impulses to make Fracture. And that family seemed to be extraordinarily interested, much more so than other families, in keeping them. So they preserved this large collection of Fracture and then very generously gave it to the Heritage Center or the Schwenfelder Library, as it was known then in the early 20th century. Uh, So um, that's how much of these things came to us. Our collection is unique because it is older than many of the other collections that are known. And also because most of it came directly from the families the Schwenkfelder families or other families. It didn't, there wasn't a private collector like Henry DuPont, for example, who collected Frocter or Henry Borneman in the Philadelphia Free Public Library who collected Froctor and then gave their collection. These pieces came directly out of the families. So they have a lot more significance in my mind than something that was sort of cherry-picked by a collector, if that makes sense.
0: The fructores, you've already said, have used for educational purposes, uh, coming from um, headmasters at the time to help instruct their uh, students. Uh, but fructores were also important for uh, weddings.
1: Yes, some. We don't have a lot of them, but I know out there in the world, there are definitely more of them than we have. I think we have maybe one, but I should to address that. The reason why is because romantic love, and if you look, I guess if you look at the spiritual union of a man and a woman, but romantic love was not expressed through Froctor, or at least Schwenkfeld or Frachter. There's only one piece that might even vaguely Seem to reflect romantic love it was mostly more spiritual love and when they're speaking or writing in loving terms it's often about christ and should be interpreted that way but sometimes it looks a little confusing but it was usually spiritual love that was being expressed and not romantic love
0: at least for the schwenkfelder at Frachters, least
1: for the Schwankfelders, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: but there are plenty of uh uh, wedding commemorations, uh, absolutely that are done yeah. in Fraktur, and uh, also baptisms too. Uh,
1: yes, the baptisms. Now that area is is where uh the great bulk of Fraktur for the larger Pennsylvania sh- German sphere enters in. The birth and baptismal c- certificate, which was known as the tauschein was manufactured. Actually, pre printed forms in the tens of thousands from the late 18th century all the way to the end of the 19th, probably even into the 20th century, they were still making these documents. And they really served a purpose to document birth before there were any vital statistics out there. As a matter of fact, the Library of Congress collection of Fracture evolved from veterans sending in their Talfshine, their Talfshina to prove their birth when they were looking for their pensions and so forth. So um, many of you out there, many of your listeners probably have these Taufshina at home, possibly rolled up in a drawer, or possibly hanging on the wall. That is one type of froctor they actually sometimes did frame and hang up on the wall. Um, usually there's two angels on them on either side that are hand painted. But it's a pre-printed form that was then filled in by a um, a calligrapher of one sort or another.
0: Let's talk a little bit further about some of those uh, symbols or pictures on a fructure. You've already mentioned some uh, uh, about angels uh, being present. I yes. uh, wonder about uh, some other uh, symbols, uh, uh, pictures, that, and what they represent uh, in the Bible. Uh, yes. I think would be intriguing for our listeners.
1: Well, and... I think specifically where I see in Schwenkfelder Fraktur the most spiritual kind of symbolism is in the flowers that really reflects true Schwenkfeldian ideas. And Peter Erb was the first person to really figure this out. Of course he would because he's brilliant. <laughs> but uh, we have several Fraktur in our collection that depict a garden. So with a garden fence, that's unusual in Froctor to begin with, a garden fence and a garden gate, and then flowers blooming within this garden that were representative of Christ blooming in the garden or uh, Mary I guess it depended on the interpretation of the individual Fracture artist. There were things in the Fracture that you might not necessarily associate with Protestantism, but were still lingering on into the 18th century, although they seem more of a, a Roman Catholic idea and it's in those flowers and specifically we have a piece by the reverend david Creeble, who was also of worcester township and gwynedd that has a poem that i think was by uh the poet uh terstegan a, a little piece of a poem and talking about this flower blooming in the garden and and it you know a casual reader might just interpret it as a pretty verse about a flower, but it's not. It's very laden with this symbolism of Christ blooming in this garden or blooming in the heart of man, I suppose. So that very strongly is uh, that, that fence and gate symbolism and the flowers in the garden, one of the best spir- pieces of spiritual symbolism, I think, in Froster. And there's been a lot of talk over the past 20 years or 30 years about Frachter not having symbolism in it. There were scholars that would say that nothing meant anything. None of those pretty pictures meant anything. They were just illustrations to uh, bring in the viewer to the Frachter. But I think with the schwankfelders that was really quite different. I think that early on and i'm saying in the 18th and the early 19th century when they were still when true schwenkfeldianism still existed to some extent that that kind of symbolism was still powerful for them oh we also have another piece that uh descended in the schultz family a uh, uh, number of schultz family members here in the upper hanover township vicinity which is once again a garden with two trees growing in it, which of course symbolize something, which was taken from a book of devotions on the Song of Solomon that was written by Daniel Suderman, who was a Schwenkfelder, adjacent poet. And this one is a very so it was taken directly from this 17th century book, this illustration, and then put into Froctor of this garden with these two trees growing in it. So I think very much was something that a Schwenkfelder in that time period that and in terms of the Schultz pieces, the early 19th century, which they that would mean something to them
0: thinking of, uh, let's say, a baptismal fructor, or even a wedding fructure, uh with uh, you mentioned the garden and and Christ blooming within, would fit fairly well with the Schwankfelder uh, belief of the the heart, uh, the inner heart, uh, uh, blossoming uh, as expressed with with the time of baptism
1: they are very powerful pieces. And then another symbol that intrigues me very much, there's several Fracture, and this is in the earlier period, that have the heart serving as sort of a vessel. So the heart, you see the heart, but then it's open at the top, like a, a vase almost. And there's something emanating from this vase, whether it be flowers or some other kind of it, it uh, Sometimes like a sacred heart, sort of, but mostly in terms of flowers blooming out of this this heart vessel. That you only see in the very early period, but I, I particularly like that one. There's some splendid representations of
0: that. That would certainly fit a Schwenkfelder theme of the inner heart uh, being uh, of, uh, of such great importance. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. In your opinion, then, uh, Candice, what does uh, the art of Fracture illustrate about the significance of Christian ideas in the homes of Schwankfelders in, uh, let's say, the Golden Age? Yeah, in uh, the uh, Golden
1: Age. Well, specifically, because as I'll go back to my discussion of schoolmasters making Fracture for young people, this was a way that The schoolmasters who were terribly important to the community and usually among the most learned men in the community, and especially for the Schwenkfelders, these were very significant individuals in the community, Reverend David Creeble being one of them that they were passing on their spirituality through the frock tour to these young people, um, both as a way of instruction in Schwenkfelder spirituality, and also as a form of moral admonition to um, make sure that the children were following the right path. You see that a lot in Mennonite Fractur in particular. There's very specific phrases that they use Youth and virtue, for instance, that they're very much pushing on the children to be paying attention to youth and virtue. And in the there's not always that so much, but similar spiritual lessons that to pass on to the children. These were very important uh, ways of conveying the spirituality to the younger generation during that golden age.
0: Well, this has been very fascinating to uh, think about. uh uh, a this uh, remnant uh, relic of uh, Schwankfelder uh, community life uh, in uh, the uh, late 18th century and then early 19th century. I guess you have many of these uh, froctures available to view up at uh, the Library and Heritage Center. Are they on display regularly? Well,
1: I try. <laughs> they are challenging as exhibits because they're they're delicate and they need to be framed and treated a certain with uh, a certain degree of care of a great deal of care but we do currently have an exhibit uh called frock tour and miniature on exhibit um and that will be um here in the heritage center until let me see um march i believe uh but Listeners can always make an appointment with me if they want to look at Froctor and we can do a show and tell. That's what I often encourage people to do. And I've done that often where we'll just sit down for a couple of hours and and look at Froctor.
0: That's great. And thank you for taking the time to uh, talk with us uh, today about this uh, valuable art and uh, certainly welcome people to the Schweinfeldur Library and Heritage Center to view Froctor. Uh, but then also to think about uh, the good heritage that's been passed down uh, from age to age to age uh, throughout the Christian tradition, uh, through uh, not only through writing, but also through art. Thank you, Wonderful. Candace. Thank you,
1: Drake. Thank you.